Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. So welcome guys in the making on Asia Tech Podcast. I'm glad to have Thibault from Lovagon and Grace who is a recent pass out from the batch of Lovagon. So introducing Thibault who is also a great friend and a collaborator uh, with us. He's the head of Lovagon China. Tell us more Thibault about Lovagon and about you. Who are you? What do you do? <laughs> so um I used to work in the luxury industry um, as a project manager, digital project manager, and then moved on to account management. And I hated the, you know, the politics. The, the, for me, it was a culture shock, everything corporate. Um, and that's where I found Lowagon. So um, I joined them about, I guess, two years ago um, to head the operations here and expand uh, the community. And then uh, what I do now, mostly um, partnerships, community building, researching, writing, meeting a lot of people, talking to a lot of people, I guess. That's an amazing story. I mean, how you move from your typical corporate job to join an entrepreneur setup and enable other people to learn and grow. And that's why we also have Grace here. Thank you, Grace, for joining. You have a very interesting story. You moved and you switched your career from marketing and learning to code in the Lowagon Bootcamp. Tell us more. Why? What do you do? Um, well, like Thibaut said, there was a huge shock of working in a corporate world. Um, I actually didn't work in too big of a corporation, but still the shock was there in terms of, you know, what you do at work. When you go to work, you're working for your boss and not for yourself. Uh, you're working for your boss and not, um, you know, a value or a mission that you want to help builds for the world. Um, and Loagon was a was a good choice for me. I had switched into graphic design and I was freelancing in China. Um, but I was frustrated because I wanted to grow in a way and be able to create experiences and content in the modern world. So creating apps as marketing campaigns and as content experiences. Um, and Loagon gave me uh, the skill sets to be able to do that. Right. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. So what was the trigger, let's say, to leave that comfortable job and join? Or were you still in your job when you started learning coding in Lowagon Bootcamp? Actually, um, it's funny that you say trigger because I, I didn't feel like I really had a choice. I was looking for a way, uh, a lifestyle that I... Um, that allowed me to grow my skills in a way that I felt excited about. And most of the jobs that I interviewed for or the gigs that I did for graphic design and digital strategy, um, I was also freelancing in digital strategy before Loagon, uh, felt really sort of hacked in a way that I, I couldn't help the workflow before, you know, the project came came to me and I noticed all these patterns of like how different projects could be better. And I wanted to be the person that spearheaded, you know, something from the beginning to the end, um, especially in the creative side of things. So, so did you learn, did you learn, uh, did you join Low Wagon while you were still? Uh, no, working? I was freelancing. I was freelancing okay. full time uh, in Chengdu. Um, before that, I had been a marketing manager in Brooklyn. Um, but then 
quit to travel Asia and explore like more my creative side in, in China. Just to give a bit more context here, there's no way you can uh, do Luwagen on the side of anything else. Um, we, we require a huge commitment uh, on your side to join the program and be part of the community. And so you most of the time have to, you know, find time in between two jobs or quit your job in order to attend this intensive thing. Um, so then you upskill really because you focus, you commit yourself, you know. Um, so that's why uh, Grace decided to do it in, in Chengdu. But this exact same kind of career move happens everywhere in the world. You go to Bali or Tokyo um, or, or, you know, China, Singapore, for us exactly the same program everywhere in the world. It's just you have to pick the location or community that you want to join, but then it all belongs to a global network at the end. Thibault, you just mentioned it's a huge commitment. It's a nine-week commitment. I'm sure a lot of listeners would love to know, how does a typical coding bootcamp work? How does Lowagon work? So just describe um, having a trainer here, Thibault, and having um, a learner who just, you know, passed from the batch. How do you describe this nine weeks program in a typical coding bootcamp? It's hectic. That's, I think that's one of the feedbacks that everybody will give us. It's testing. It's hard. It's also very rewarding because, you know, the most... Yeah, the more effort you put into it, the more you will take out of it. And so they typically start from, you know, uh, three weeks that are a nightmare, I guess. Three first weeks are the very What does intense. a nightmare look like? What what happens? They, it's What's the first day look like? The first day is setting up some tools on your laptop. Uh, it's actually um, not so much fun, but just practical. And then you start every day taking a small course, small amount of theory, just what you need. And then you go through a lot of practice, a lot of exercises. We believe that the only way to learn these things uh, is by doing it yourself. It's just not listening at somebody or watching somebody doing it. That's online. That's a video. It's okay. But you have to go through uh, all these challenges and, and, and start to change the way you think in a way. So um, end of the day, you have more courses. Um, and we wrap up what you've learned. And this same process happens every single day. Um, and yeah, you have a lot of fundamentals to get the first three weeks. That's why it's hard because you have to totally reprogram yourself in a way. Um, yeah, but it's hard, but also you are learn learning by doing, right? Right. So you are actually coming out pretty strong. Like Grace, for example, when you joined Lowagon, did you know any ABC of coding? Um, I had tinkered around with HTML, but it's funny you say it's a nightmare because I found it to be... Um, really refreshing. As a freelancer, you wake up in the morning and you decide if you want to leave your bed. So <laughs> going to, you know, I ha I was biking to uh, the wagon for an hour um, wow. every morning around and be there at eight. And then I would watch the lectures. Like I needed that kind of structure. And to be able to dive into learning something, um, where you could trust that you're doing something all day for yourself and not for a manager or a boss or, you know, some investors. Like, you know what you want to learn and you want to learn what you don't know, like even more than you don't know. So like there's a whole world of puzzles that they can give you and that you can apply to different ways of thinking. Um, like Thibaut said, you reprogram yourself in, in terms of how you see how the world works and the possibilities that are available to you. Right. See, Thibault, you already have a contradicting or a complimentary point of view. Yeah, the very, very true. I think but that's the real feedback from one of the attendees, right? Definitely. We observe a lot of frustrations and that's something we look for even. People looking for, you know, a new challenge and going outside of their comfort zone. I think you, you tend to look for this once you are 
between 25 years old to 30 years old, and you've been working a few years in the company, and you don't see the point of what you're doing, you don't see any purpose, you cannot make anything internally even. And so uh, these sort of people will be looking for a challenge. And even if, it, if they have been programming in the past, even if they have been doing things online on their own MOOCs or even some small projects, even if they've been self-studying for a while, they still see a big challenge at the beginning of the camp so that we basically give them the strong fundamentals. And then we move on to, you know, more project, uh, more teamwork and, and frameworks, of course, uh, localized frameworks on top of that. I mean, China here, so WeChat, everything WeChat. And that's yet another challenge, right? Because you can be a very shitty programmer on your own, but then when you start coding as a team, you've got a lot of other difficulties coming that's a, to you. That's a very, very good point. So a great message out here in, on our show that freelancers or anybody, no matter what, how many years of experience you have, it's great to refresh your skills, right? And give that commitment and that structure. And like you said, learning with others mm -hmm. is a much, much more uh, impactful skill set growth, right? Yeah, that's actually why um, I decided like to go ahead with Luaga. That was one of my like final, I guess, clinchers was that I had been freelancing for so long and I understood what it was to work with people in marketing and, you know, in events and production, but working together in tech, like that was a whole new frontier for me. And I, I craved it because I had been freelancing with different teams, but there wasn't so much of that continuity that I craved. Um, and to be able to, you know, it's, it's sort of like going to high school again, you meet all these new weirdos, you know, on the first day and you're like, who's that person and who's that, and who am I going to work with? And do I like this person? And, um, you know, pitting, pitting your skills and your levels and what you can contribute, no matter what your, your coding level is, uh, is a huge challenge and takeaway that I, that I got to um, right. experience. So taking a step back, do you guys think... A coding boot camp for professionals, yeah? It's not about college or school, right? Only. So a coding boot camp, a nine-week program, is it something disruptive in the industry? Any point of view? It is. Um, the, the boot camp idea originally came from the US. Um, and Rwagan is from Paris, like France. So we took this concept and modified the end goal. We're not training people to get a job. That's what the US does. Uh, we're training people to uh, get skills and make things with it. Do job better. Yeah, in a way. Uh, change, the, change the way you work in your team, in your organization. Uh, build things with new skills, new, new tools. And so um, I think this concept is disruptive in education in general. Mm -hmm. um, well, imagine what are the options right now. You are uh, in an organization. You work at Apple. You work at Alibaba. And you hate it because of the corporate, because of the politics, because of... You don't like your job. And so what do you do? Do you do a computer science program? You spend three years at Tsinghua, Stanford? Or do you do full online? You go at, um, what, Coursera, uh, Udacity, and so on? Well, you have either something super long or something where you will end up, 90% of chances, you will end up dropping out because it's just overwhelming, too much information. You don't, you don't have the structure you want. It's easy access. But it's, you know, it's never end, ending well. So, um, so what's, the most what's the most valuable thing about joining a boot camp of coding? The people. It's all about the people. We are, we are people's business. We're a community. So you're joining a, a group like this one for the mentorship, for the advices, for the coaching even, right? Um, we, we, we give coding courses, essentially. That's what you learn. But there's so much more inside. 
which are the people you will meet and how they will give you personal advices and connections and, and opportunities. They will open up your, your way of thinking. And, and learning. And learning, exactly. What do you think, Grace? What is the most valuable thing about this kind of an approach? Yeah, I would definitely say the, the teamwork you learn, but also the excitement that this community can give you before, during, and after the Lawagon experience. Um, I would say, you know, I, I definitely did my share of Code Academy courses. Um, and, you know, once you do it, you just, you don't know what to do next. Uh, you, you don't actually have that spark or that fire of like, oh, I could use this thing that I learned or this skill or this idea or this design pattern and I can create Airbnb or I can create this kind of marketplace or I can connect people this way. And I think that that's like the value that you can't really describe to people unless they understand the value of just learning how to code and being up to date in the modern. When did you graduate world. from this boot camp, Grace? Uh, December, December 15th. Right. Yeah. So what did you do right after? Did you go back to your marketing job? No way. I did. I actually, um, so my partner went through Loegan as well. Uh, he was the batch before me and December is pretty slow in terms of business and, you know, everybody's going home and stuff. And so we actually did a two-day hackathon to create uh, our own mini program. Um, and that was like really fun because he had sort of gone through a lull and like tried to figure out, you know, ways to make money while he was still learning. And it was really good because we, we got excited about it. And that's like just an example of what you can do with other people in the low wagon community, wherever you are. They're open to learning new things and trying new And projects. helping. Yeah, and helping, yeah. So fast forward today, what are you doing in the last six months? How has uh, this bootcamp shaped you? What's, um, your, what's your new gig? Yeah, it, it's interesting. I think just being in the tech community has given me access to so many projects and ideas people have. Uh, once people know that you've been through the wagon, uh, people will pour their heart out about, okay. you know, what brilliant ideas they have. And, <laughs> and you, you end up, you know, some of them are a little bothersome, but some of them, you know, end up forcing you to practice like, okay, well, is this a good idea? You know, what is this product going to do for the world? Um, do I want to build it? And then you, you start practicing this like self-consciousness of like, okay, I can contribute this project, I can contribute these designs to, you know, the world, the scene, my local community. Um, do I want to? Like, what else, you know, who else can get excited about this? And you start making these connections almost organically um, just by accessing these skills and this community. In, in other words, it's a lot of grinding um, because Grace goes into the, you know, type of alumni that do freelancing in mm -hmm, China mm -hmm. and you have a lot of business opportunities, but freelancing in China and pretty much everywhere around the world means working seven days a week, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes with no certainty of being paid or having the right client and so on. And so it's never easy what they're doing. And I think it's, I respect that a lot. Freelancing is hard. Um, others will found their own business and partner with classmates. I've seen that so many times right now. Like I think five startups were launched just last year out of uh, the camps in China only and maybe 150 globally last year it's actually fun to see the founders prototyping stuff together and you know they, they they have the same mindset and so they go fast and then the last time obviously the graduates looking straight into a job in the tech industry 
Um, and that's a um, large category as well. What's the role of the community? You know, this whole thing about it's not just individual-led, it's a social-led, community-led, network-led. Give an example. Um, in that case, we give them um, resources. We give them, you know, in China, access to co-working spaces uh, where they can, you know, start their own business uh, six months in a nice, you know, business hub, mm-hmm. uh, we give them, you know, tons of connections because because I don't know the network is quite huge here, mm-hmm. um, and the alumni themselves will help each other, um, you know, for any sort of uh, of uh, needs they have. They share a lot of uh, ideas, tips, and resources every day in our groups, and so everybody ends up meeting or working with each other. It's quite insane, mm-hmm. uh, and the bridges, especially China. At this moment, I looked at the way Chengdu and Shanghai, the two hubs, are working together. It's quite fun to see. And people are working business. virtually. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Remotely, yeah. they partner on projects. They have somebody will get a new client, and they say, "Okay, I need to make a quick team on this one." And uh, yeah, so many things like this happen all the time. So, and can people access Lowagon for also getting freelancers? Mm-hmm. That happens all the time. Right. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Moving forward, I mean, um, now this is a model, obviously, as we spoke about professional industry, right? Not about just the school and college level. Uh, describe the trainer and batchmate relationship. How do you think, Grace, like if you put it in contrast with the way we learned in colleges and schools and even MBAs or other ways of tech learning, how would you describe the relationship with the trainers um, or the approach to training? It's interesting because Lewagon does bring in different teachers with completely different um, experiences, but also different attitudes towards teaching. And the way they teach, you can understand um, how long they've been teaching. Uh, and and through that, you can understand, you know, their scope of knowledge of like how much they understand about freelancing or working with huge teams or, you know, infamous startups and um What's cool is instead of looking at your professor and being like, oh, this person's an academic, you know, uh, they're sort of on a pedestal. Um, but these people are grinding with us in a way. Like uh, most of my teachers were also, you know, coding together. On, yeah, coding on their own projects or working on freelance projects. And so um, seeing what they were doing and seeing like how they shared, like what they were excited about. We had one teacher actually, um, come to us on demo day and he's like, you know, I was really excited uh, when I came to teach you guys. Like you guys sparked that fire back within me and now like I'm back. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, he he was being, he was really jaded at his job, but now he's like becoming a partner at his new, his firm and like um, bringing a lot of h- how he saw us work together back to his team as well. So it's a, totally a reciprocal relationship in that we inspire each other and it, it's, just like the Lowagon community, like we're there to help each other get excited and help each other shape our ideas um, because we see what we can do in two weeks. So there's something I'm personally very passionate about as well. It's part of my purpose, which I feel I'm contributing back is the way people are learning in the industry. You know, this whole, hey, let's do a training program and people will come to your office, conference room, lectures, PowerPoint, death by PowerPoint. <laughs> Why? What's the problem? What's the barrier that organizations who are investing on people but not investing on learning and development, this whole approach of learn by doing, whether they do coding or not is not the point. The point is this approach of learn by doing. 
and getting out of the building and bringing an outsider in perspective, why do you think, what's the barrier? Well, you have a boss that is here every day reminding you to do something. You have KPIs, you have, you know, you have uh, your phone. Investors. And then, and yeah, and you can't focus. You can't focus on learning these new things because you're, you're being always bugged by something in your, in your current organization. There's no way you can actually, I mean, that's my point. That's why mm -hmm. B2B, I think it's not our thing at it's all. It's also hard to teach people well. It's hard to think about really good experiences where you're putting yourself in the student's shoes and saying like, okay, well, what can I anticipate them being uh, anxious about or like not understanding very well and then repeating it to them. And, and sometimes you do have to slow everything down and then be able to walk them through step by step. And that's the kind of like human interaction and investment I feel that's missing in a lot of, um, you know, big education systems, but even just at any corporation is that lack so is it, of yeah, human inter interface. That's a good point. Lack of human interface. So they do have a human interface. They get all these so-called industry experts into their offices for giving lectures. Um, what could be three tips or recommendation from our collective learnings or from you guys on how organizations, especially corporates or companies, can learn from the learnings you've had of redesigning their learning programs or capability building programs for their employees? Anything which comes to your mm -hmm. mind? Well, uh, something I've realized through freelancing and, and the differences between like working with teams I enjoy and teams I do not is that um, there has to be that trust between the manager or leader, between all teammates, actually. And we need to, we need to empower ourselves by giving each other that power and recognizing, like, I give my manager power to manage me. So I need to communicate with them what makes them a better manager, and they need to communicate with me what makes me a better employee. So are you saying that you need, as an employee, you should be able to demand that I want to learn, therefore I need that space and time or investment to learn, or they just should be waiting and blame well, HR? It's Maybe it's a bit more broader than that, just like being able to learn from each other. Because in a tech team, you have to be able to, you know, tell the back-end developer, like, hey, the front-end's not going to work because of this, this, and this. And having that trust to be able to communicate about the work is what... What do you uh, think, Tival? Any other learning in terms of redesigning approaches? Well, let me give you a bit more context. Uh, one of the reasons we wanted to open um, this program in China specifically is because of uh, observations we had in, in tons of organizations where it was organized in, in silos, right? You've got the marketing department on one side, they have internal IT team of vendors, and then you have the, the sales, business people, management, whatsoever, and they don't work together. So you have a small, small group of people that we name product managers or project managers, depending what side you are on. Um, and these people are supposed to be the one, you know, bridging uh, these different talents, that, and they just can't survive this whole mess. And so we wanted to train people that are in between business and tech, able to work with developers while talking to uh, customers, managers, and so on. And what we want then, coming back to your question, um, is to find these sort of people that have this curiosity to work better with other departments, rather than their own only meaning not only being super good marketers, but understanding how technical people will work. And surprisingly, this demand is not from the HR. It's not from the top management. It actually comes from the employees themselves. They come to us, they come to our events, workshops, and so on. And they take their own time on the side 
to learn these skills because their current organization do, do not allow them to be, you know, in between, to, 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 to cross these bridges. And that's uh, scary in a way. No, I don't know. It's, yeah. no, that's it's a, all that, part of this digital transformation. That's a huge trend, message, guys. Right? This is a huge message out there. Hopefully a lot of people who are in position of creating learning programs and capabilities. If you are complaining about turnover rate, rethink <laughs> and I have seen a lot of data already at one of the reasons people are leaving because they don't feel they're learning they're growing anyway moving on guys I'm sure everybody has failures right uh, we all have ups and downs in your journey in the last few years of coding or building skills and helping others grow an example of any failure and how you dealt with it uh, from the organization yeah from organization or perspective because- yeah um, first thing we did wrong was assuming that people will just talk about it and, and will tell their friends you should do it. So I remember clearly first patch we had in China, um, it was just a year and a half ago. And we were so focused on these guys training this group that we forgot about telling the world outside that there was a new one coming next. And suddenly we realized, oh, there is nobody coming to the next. What, what's going on? Is it the market telling us, you know, we need to check nobody wants this? You mean nobody wanted to come for the second for batch? For the second batch, because we basically said to nobody that there is something coming next. Oh, so you're not creating awareness, exactly. marketing. Exactly. Mm. Because we were focusing on one thing only, right? Training the current people. And so that was, uh, uh, you know, we, we hesitated. Is it because the market doesn't want it? Or is it because we just failed at marketing? And the truth is we failed at acquisition. Now we realize that, Taking this step, taking this leap of faith, some people say, takes six months to one year. So that means that you need to inform them about this program coming a year after. And that's something we discovered um, because, you know, we are not professional trainers. Originally, we could. Uh, we like to build things. And so we realized, oh, maybe we have to uh, explain better. So two learnings here, Thibault. One is don't lose hope, you know, be persistent, but mm. pivot according to the feedback. Mm. And here the feedback was that, it's okay. You need to actually get people on board six months earlier, 12 months earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We spoke about failures and ups and downs. Now, obviously, in the making of Low Wagon, in the making of this nine-week bootcamp success journey, uh, you must have faced a lot of challenges. What are the typical challenges you're facing and how are you dealing with that? It's a great question because everything we do, it's about, I think I said it earlier, people. It's a people's business. So, we have to always find um, the right trainers, right? We are delivering courses. So we need the right people to deliver these. And you'd be surprised how programmers are very bad teachers. <laughs> <laughs> and so you need to find people in between. Most often they, they run their own company or they've been freelancing. So they have this thing in between business and tech. If they are too good at what they do, they are not good trainers. So they will the not best, relate to beginners. What's the best uh, skill set or... Um a description or a word describes a good trainer? Um, empathy. And they need to be able to empathy. relate. Yeah. Empathy. You need to relate to the beginners and say, okay, I'm not going to give you away the answer. I'm going to walk you through the steps. And that's so hard to find because developers in general, they are smart. And because they're smart, they are lazy. They take shortcuts. That's what we always do. And so finding people that have this patience to teach beginners, it's trust me, it's not easy to find. So first challenge, building the crew. Um, we've been super, super lucky. We have a very loyal crew of mentors who keep coming back and more, more, more people coming to us. We don't have to 
headhunt for new mentors. People say, I want to contribute. And that's been, we're very grateful for this community of mentors. Second, other type of people issue, recruitment of students, right? So um, that would be more in the people we select to do this camp. Um, we believe that just one bad apple would be ruining the whole experience of the, of the camp. So it's not that we become very selective. We just tend to find the red flags, mostly big egos, you know, these entrepreneurs that tell everybody that they are visionaries and that they have the next big thing. And so we, we have to watch out and protect our community, finding the right people. So I'm always a bit scared of, you know, even if we have a very thorough process of selection, interviews, tests and whatnot, there, we've, met, we've made so many mistakes before. Um, and, and we, how do you deal, it. how do you deal with that? Suppose you found a bad apple in the, in the team, in the selection process, just, you just say no. Yeah. What we try to assess in the first two to three weeks is whether or not that person is coachable, is willing to learn, or is it just maybe we're not the right fit, we're not the right thing. And then we just say, take your money back and, and, and thank you so much. See you next time. And, and, and this whole process happens super smoothly every time. Uh, this way, there's no, you know, no strings attached. Third challenge, um, growing, expanding uh, worldwide, simply because, again, it's a community. And if we want somebody to open up a new branch, a new city, a new hub, we must trust somebody that comes from the inside. So what we do in the making is that we incubate some people. So we will take a graduate from the program and say, so you know that city, right? You come from Shenzhen, you come from Nanjing, you come from Singapore. Um, tell us what's going on there. Do you think, um, no, actually they come to us with that idea. We don't know about the city most of the time. We have no clue what's going on there. And these graduates will spearhead the, the, the new launch, the, the, the market opening market discovery. And so we have to find every time either a mentor or a graduate that will have this drive, this passion to replicate, to expand the community for us. And that's, that's how we scale worldwide. There's no other way. That's why it's all community driven. We never looked for expansion. It just happens organic. because people, exactly, it's organic. People love the value of what they receive and they want to pay forward. So it's a challenge because normally you, you will start up. What do you do? You raise money and then you hire tons of people. That's very American in a way, yeah. right? Uh, I can think of ton <laughs> tons of examples, but we're French. So we do things differently. We just drink wine and then we expand <laughs> <laughs> with people that want to help us. I That's thought just... you're half Asian, <laughs> half Chinese now. <laughs> but you know, we, we bootstrap everything. That's the mindset of Loagan and the people inside. We don't go after money. We help people. And so, of course, it's a whole different way to operate. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, we have a bottle of wine in front of me. Thank you, Thibault, for bringing. We'll open it sure. right after the show. Sure. So teaching others, you know, training others, helping others develop. That also means people who are involved in that needs to keep themselves ahead of time. Like, how do you guys focus on your own or your uh, trainer's network capability building. Thank you for asking. It's, it's key. It's, it, I it's key it. for me as well. Right, right. I, I spent pretty much, I told you earlier, 30% of my time um, reading, researching, writing. And in this process, I try to discover what will be the next thing that we need to master 
and now so that we can teach it mm-hmm. to entrepreneurs, business people, so that they, you know, they get the right toolkit. It's always about the right tools, the right workflow. And so that's the reason why just right after this podcast, I'm going to Hong Kong attending this conference named WebConf Asia, mm-hmm. right? They, they are in Hong Kong and I'm very excited about it because I'm going to be the one learning stuff about Adobe, about Chrome. Chrome is a big tool for us. We use Chrome all the time to develop and so on. And Netlify, tons of companies, tons of tools that I'm using myself. And they bring in top speakers that I really respect. I've never met them before. And I'm sure that I'm going to learn cutting edge stuff that I will be able to take back and, you know, play with for a while until I discover the way to explain it to beginners. Oh my God, your last sentence is magical. Play with it and figure out then how to teach or apply for others. Exactly. That's That's the key. That's why I I love so much my job. I spend a lot of time doing this, trying to think, okay, now WeChat has been dominating China tech, right, for a while. Or Asia Asia tech. Even, yeah. I've Mm. been developing WeChat apps for, what, six years now. I love it. But then what could be the next thing for entrepreneurs? Would that, what would be the next platform, the next app store, where you you would have the first mover advantage? Would that be Meituan Jinping? That's one thing I have in mind. Would that be a, some sort of new China blockchain, only specialized in China? Some, th- th- there must be something Do you think there. it's to do with uh, a personality and a DNA of a person to be curious and wanting to learn on being a continuous lifelong learner rather than being very stable and happy in my current sh- shoes, current job? Yeah, I guess it's a little bit of nature and nurture, but um, I think most people would want to know what's happening in the world and what the next best thing is. Uh, I don't really think of myself because I came from a marketing and like design background. I don't think of myself as somebody who's like the top tech person, um, but because of the nature of design, you know, you want to know what else is happening out there to to be able to to catch up and to be able to give the best experience to your product, right? So, you know, I end up on Product Hunt all the time. I'm going to CES Asia next week, which is like the huge like tech conference. Uh, and yes. and it's not hard at all to be excited when you're surrounded by other people who are also excited. Right. And it's not hard to end up like, you know, in a click hole of like, you know, what is this tool? Like, what is this new thing? Because it's it's just like all over your your feed. <laughs> yeah. Guys, teach me something now. You have, let's say, four minutes or five minutes. Teach me something that I wouldn't know. You guys are gurus. Teach me something now. <laughs> Anything. Something to do with the topic of Asia for tech and technology and digital. Something. And technology, something. Something a, I wouldn't know. There's something we teach always. Um, it's a basic of HTML and CSS. You'd be surprised how many people think that when you open Chrome, you open your browser, you know, and you open a web page, you right click and inspect the page and they think that you are hacking into their website <laughs> because you have access to the source code. You have access to the HTML and the CSS and it's blowing their mind away because they think that they could copy paste Taobao, as they say, right? They can copy paste the code and they have a clone of Taobao. And, and <laughs> this is, this is true in a way, but just this HTML and CSS has no value. It's all about the database, everything, everything else. But then if you start doing this, right click inspect, you open up this HTML code. And if you start reading it, you learn a lot already. And that's so fun to watch. So go inside this part, 
We'll do no, that after the podcast recording. Do, I, I need you to do it, Nishta, seriously. Thank uh, you. And, and, and then I want you to look into the, the first part, the head, and you look into what, how it is built. And you're going to learn a lot by the way a website is structured and the way the designers, the developers have put their own you know, uh, mind into this, this, this product. Uh, trust me, this is f- for us, designers, developers, we see a website like a bunch of Lego bricks. Like com- we call it components, it's atomic design, you know, you know Grace, right? right. Uh, and, and we see a website with components and as soon as you know these patterns, mm-hmm. we see always the same sort of websites everywhere. And so we can st- start to challenge the status quo. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So that's why I need you to do that, Nishta. You open your Chrome inspector. I'm carrying and you my dissect, laptop. Exactly. And you <laughs> start dissect, hacking. Yeah. And, you start, and yeah, <laughs> you're not hacking Taobao, you're just accessing their, their source code. And I find it so fun that very few people know about this essential essential tool, actually. Mm-hmm. Right. In the last few minutes, guys, we'll have a rapid fire round. So quick point of view, like one or two sentence. Coming up, entrepreneur outside of an organization. Yeah, a typical entrepreneur like what you, me, Tibald, but also an entrepreneur inside of an organization. Is it the same? Is it different? Comment. What's Entrepreneurs, they take real risks. They don't have a paycheck. They have to face legal issues. They really, I think, uh, pioneer stuff. When you are inside a company, well, you have access to large budgets. You have a business card already. Um, but then you have to deal with politics. I could not do that. I could not get people into a meeting room and wait for six months to, for a decision to be taken. Um, I think an entrepreneur on the inside is somebody who is developing their idea so they can get, so they can get out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. That's, that's an amazing quote. That's an amazing quote. Some of the feedback you receive from your batches. Grace, have you ever made a complaint to Lobagan about something you were not happy about in the nine weeks? Um, it's not really about unhappy. It's about suggestions that can make things better. Mm-hmm. Example, um, because like Tibo said, you can you get out as much as you put in. So, uh, in an act of extreme, um, extreme like responsibility taking, like it's, it's it's up to you. An example, to make this an example of a recommendation great. you gave. Um, oh, getting a, a like a you know those sta- those computer stands. Standing workstations? Uh, no, just like computer stands so the students can um, straighten their posture. Oh, sit. okay. And did you do that? It's cosmetics. I don't know. Did we end up doing that? Uh, we did actually for the last batch. So oh. I also help um, teach some of the batches design. So Grace, will you teach me? Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting motivated. Any complaint or any negative feedback or something you receive an example yeah every every batch we have different uh, feedbacks and we listen a lot to that each camp has somebody in charge of you know listing you know walking you through the challenges and 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 making sure that you you survive this experience and so uh, how do you manage the feedback we, we listen and we note and we discuss it with the other mentors and we try to see if that's one person or that's something that really needs to improve. Right. W- would that bring value to the experience? Yes or no. We got really random feedbacks every time. Um, and so we try to assess whether or not it is a pattern, something we didn't, we do need to work on to improve everybody else. Most often the feedbacks are on personal drama. Like, I don't like this person. <laughs> and so that's something where you can't really uh, have. No, that's we, very we important. How do you manage select. people conflict? Whoa. 
that's a whole different story. Okay, depends next on what, time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it really depends on the on the type of conflict. Uh, most of the time, it's also personal egos mm. thinking, okay, I've been challenged more than ever, and I'm a smart person. I had top grades in school, and then suddenly some smart people are just doing something different than me. And so this sort of frustrations appear. Um, and we Entitlement have and privilege definitely right, come exactly. out during uh, this, this, this sort of <laughs> interesting. Then you've got noise, personal drama, sound, you know, yeah. uh, smell and all these sort of things. Oh which my is, God. Okay. Yeah, it's normal. It's like, it's, a, it's like, I think, Grace, you mentioned high school, right? It's some sort of uh, yeah. same idea. You can't even imagine how professionals, when they go under stress, when they go under a lot of work together, they start to, you How know, they react. To stress, yeah. And we've learned a lot about human psychology. It's so fun. So what what was the suggestion? Go for long walks. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do actually. Sometimes, yeah. like as a batch, sometimes we'd end up getting like a, a sugar break because everybody was exhausted or like, mm-hmm. you know, on the edge. And so it'd be like, all right, everybody down. We're going to go get some bubble tea. That's um, good. Instead yeah. of just doing waimai, delivery. Waimai in Chinese means delivery. Mm-hmm. So instead of delivery, something comes to you, you get out of the building. Right, because we know that we're at the computer all day. What are some of your batchmates doing? What are you most proud about, Thibault? Give example of the kind of work some of your batchmates who've passed on are doing today. I, um, what I'm most proud of is the way they work together after the camp. And the way they, I said already, make businesses together. So what kind of and example of any businesses or things they are building today? I can think right now, top of mind, of one specific alumni who went to Hangzhou, setting up a business, working for the Chinese government in Hangzhou, and also hired some other alumni, like two of them, at least. Uh, and this is so fun to see the way he's developing software at this moment and hiring from other classmates. And, you know, he's been in China for a while. He has good good connections, good Guangxi. Uh, but now he's empowered by... Uh, the Chinese government. <laughs> in a way. Jokes apart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they're able to add value, not just for themselves, but for others in the batch as well. Exactly. What are you guys most curious about? What makes you most curious? Uh, designing a technological solution or workflow for any challenge. Yeah. I'm very curious about HR. I want to see how we can really improve the way you acquire talent and keep talent. Um, and something I think every organization is struggling with. Um, and I'm trying to learn as much as I can about the way they currently operate, because I think there are so many frictions in the process. Mm-hmm. And if I had to launch a startup, a product right now, that would be on HR. I think there is a lot of disruption to do on that specific field. Actually, on that note, um, I've always thought about, you know, people always bring up the question like, oh, AI, technology, like where are the jobs going to go? I think what I'm really fascinated by is like freeing ourselves from that that story and thinking like, okay, well, if we have AI and we have all these technical solutions, we can design a world where, you know, we can share these resources and humans can be more human instead of more robot-like. You know, we don't have to sit at a computer and answer emails all day. We'll be able to interface with people. Um and valuing customer service as a human-to-human interaction instead of AI to, you know. I think the theme of this podcast seems to be emerging around human and human connections and okay. community. That's that's awesome. That's what we do all the time. We have drinks together and we chat about this sort of, you know, high-level topics about changing societies <laughs> and technology. This is all, This is exactly the sort of You know, of this is all about in the making, you know. In the making is all about in the making of you as a person and how it's about the community, the people we work with and how we're enabling other people. Mm. What's next in the making for you, Grace, and for you, Thibault? What's coming up next? 
Um, I don't know. While I'm like doing full stack development right now, I feel like there's so much, uh, so many people I've met in Shanghai and so many other people I've met through the Lewagon community that are, that are connecting me to like bigger ideas and organizations. Um, I just heard about an organization called Catapult that um, works on tech impact and, you know, are, is connected to another app that I really, really like called Be My Eyes, where it connects you to a volunteer network of people who can help blind people select, you know, wow. what kind, is this milk expired? What kind of, you know, is this the red or green sweater that you want to wear? Um, which is an example of using humans as humans and then using technology just to connect them. That's good. Yeah. So guys, this is also a great chance of In The Making Podcast to thank people you would like to thank, which you never get a chance probably. So anybody who'd like to thank for your journey, for your successes or anything. Nista first. No. <laughs> Nista Meta, yes. number one. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Pleasure. Uh, I'm learning a lot from you guys as well, believe me. But besides me or besides your family, which is obvious, anybody else, please name them. They'll be, they need um, to know. Yeah, the uh, Wagon Chengdu, uh, driven by Alan and Dan Engel. Um Definitely the tech community there um, and Thibaut, of course. And Lawagan Qinghai has been extremely hospitable here as well. Um, Anybody else besides Lawagan? Uh, that's, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't say Lawagan again. Anybody who is really, you'd like to thank in the community? There are a lot of organizations supporting us, um, pushing us and, and opening doors to us. Um, I Top of mind, I would say Wei Zhou from Xnode. He's been an amazing a mentor and, and, and host and, and, so, and so much more. Um, I can think also of another co-working space, Naked Hub. I think they've been really supporting also our mission. Uh, also, WeWork, mm-hmm. <laughs> another right. co-working space, um, welcoming our community very often. So they, they have been enabling a lot of uh, things under the hood. And then all these people are active, running organizations, communities, Let's say Techstars, Mathieu Baudin, Ladies Who Tech, you know, Jane, oh, yeah, they, they are so active. They are helping everybody around. And I think this is uh, amazing. What oh, doing also, Polyphasic Designs, uh, they've connected a lot of students as well to uh, the community and help them go beyond um, Lowagon's bootcamp. <laughs> there are so many, think about it, so many organizations for entrepreneurs, like entrepreneurs organization. Um, organizations for, um, you know, professionals like executives. I can think of uh, uh, China Digital Council, for example. This is a shameless plug for China, Nishita. China uh, Digital Collective. Collective. I think it was council. Okay, fair enough. And then um, and then Digital Drinks, another one. And then there are so many like this. There are a lot of clubs here enabling. So guys, this. one last thing. Now, this is obviously... Asia Tech Podcast and we have listeners over 45 countries listening to this. Any ask beyond China, if you had something to ask on this network of listeners, how they could help you or how they could help your individual mission or Lawagon community mission, what would you want to ask? Oh, please. In Asia, we're always looking at more people to help grow uh, and participate in this mission. There are so many ways to get involved in universities with, you know, running hackathons, helping us to set up boot camps, teaching workshops, you know, like a lot of different courses we provide to them. I can think Japan is growing fast. China, obviously, that we represent has a lot of needs. South China region at this moment, we are planning to, you know, set up operations in Shenzhen as we speak. And there are so many things we can do together with the 
uh, communities in Guangdong, in, in you know, uh, Shenzhen, Hong Kong, of course. So anybody that is South Asia, they need to reach out if they want to train business people uh, on how to better use software and, you know, impact the society in a way. So anybody that is running a startup, anybody that has been developing websites or apps for a while um, is welcome to contribute and train the next generation of makers. So guys, if you want to get in touch with Tibald, with Grace and the whole community of coders and expand this movement across Asia, get in touch either with me or the people tagged in the podcast. And thank you guys for being on In The Making Asia Tech Podcast. And we'll have the next round very soon again. Thank you. Thank, thank you. So you. Much, Thanks for having us. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.